So today, we are starting a new sermon series for the summer. And our, our sermon series is simply titled, A Jesus-Centered Summer. I was thinking about this. If, if your summers are anything like ours, there's a lot going on, isn't there? That's right. You, you feel like you have to pack so much into just these few months because the weather is finally nice for the two and a half months that we get of nice weather especially in Port Washington, and people in Port are still waiting for it to warm up, right? But there's, there's so many things to do. You have to pack so many things in during the nice weather and while the kids are off school, right? And so vacations are planned. There's weddings. There's sports and practices and events. There's home projects and, of course, not to mention work that you still have to do. So you have to go to work every day. And the everyday process of maintaining your home and the calendar and things that break at home and all those things. And it just makes summer not only a blast, but actually pretty busy as well. So summer is a lot of fun. But if I were to ask everyone in the room today, we would all agree that summer is probably also a little chaotic. Running back and forth. It's busy. It can be very tiring. And I found it can also be very expensive. Right? With all the activities and vacations and everything. And at the end of summer, you're like, oh my goodness. We've got to refigure the budget. So, when life gets this way, we can, it can be easy sometimes, and maybe even inadvertently, to lose sight of the most important relationship in our lives. And that is our relationship with Jesus. So this summer as a church, we want to be purposeful about keeping Jesus at the center of our lives this summer. So our relationship with Christ doesn't become an afterthought. Does that make sense? We want to continue to move forward in our relationship with God this summer and not get to the end of August and find ourselves feeling disconnected or or frustrated or distant in our relationship with God. How many of you want to grow this summer? We don't want to put our relationship with God on hold for the summer, do we? We want to continue to move forward with Him. And so that's what we're going to do together this summer. Okay? So... This morning, I want to start with just a simple story. Um, we end up doing quite a few home projects. How many of you are, are the do-it-yourselfers, DIY? You might watch too much HGTV. I think, like, that's a really good idea. We should do that. And then you start it. And, and, and what always happens, and this always happens to us, we start a project, and, we, and, and we've planned X amount of days to complete the project, haven't we? In fact, sometimes maybe even you take off work X amount of days because it should take about this long. And then after the X amount of days, what happens? It's not done. <laughs> now, at least on HGTV, they get done with that project in an hour. <laughs> and that's, that's not right. It's not fair because ours takes four weeks when it's supposed to take, you know, three days. So, that's kind of how our lives go. In fact, we just had a project. We were doing a flooring project, and you know, and the demo went really quick, and, and, it, was, and it was actually a lot of fun. We had some, some people come help, and so we got to installing the floor, and I've never installed a hardwood floor before. You know what? It takes forever. <laughs> Those boards are only two and a quarter inches wide. So every row you lay is only two and a quarter inches. And so you're inching your way across the room. 
And of course, every door entry comes into the area that we're trying to do the flooring. So you have to figure out the 800 entries and, you know, how is this all going to work? And you got to back it down the other way. And it can't just be like one room, you know. And so that was our, our, our project um, recently. And, and of course, it happened just like that. You know, but when, when we first bought our house, we actually had a ton of trees on our lot. We have just a regular, you know, city-sized lot, really. But there were, we've cut down to this point um, at least five pine trees. And, and we still have a number of pine trees still in our yard. So whoever lived there before us loved pine trees, and which was fine. But when they start dying and growing into everything, you know, kind of loses its luster. And so we actually cut down quite a few trees you know we we also have along our driveway um a row of lilac bushes which Kristen demands that we keep because she loves lilacs and so which and they do smell very good i hear people clapping like a lilac fan club that's right so i love lilacs too i'm a lilac lover they smell very nice but but as you know when they get old um, you know, and, and they get too big, they actually stop producing the flowers like they normally do. And so, and so you have to start coming, cutting some of them down. And, and I noticed one wasn't producing flowers and it was getting kind of big. And so I was trying to trim it back a little bit because, of course, it overgrows everything. And so I trimmed it back. And you couldn't tell from the outside, but the inside core of it, there was nothing there. It, it, it was all rotted out. But on the outside, you know, the outside ring, there was still wood. There was still, it was still connected. Um, but what had happened is you couldn't really notice it from the outside, but you start to notice that the leaves didn't really grow on it like they should, and the lilacs weren't, the flowers weren't blooming. Something was going on inside. And so when I finally cut it off, I noticed that literally the center of it was rotted out. You know, and this, this story, the reason I share this is because it actually helps illustrate really the passage of scripture that we're going to talk about this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, grab your Bibles and let's open up together to John chapter 15 and we're going to look at verse 4. John chapter 15 verse 4. Pastor Chris read from John chapter 15 as well today. John 15, verse 4. And we're going to read John 15, 4 and verse 5. And it says this, it says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If if you did your experience in God workbooks this past fall, verse 5 probably sounds a little familiar, right? Verse 5 was actually the memory verse in unit 1 of experiencing God. So if it sounds familiar, that's good. And this morning, though, we're going to do two things with these two verses. One is we're going to spend some time just exploring the truths found in verses 4 and 5. And then two, we're going to switch gears a little bit and see how these verses really are practically lived out. So you guys ready this morning? Let's see what God has for us. 
So we're going to start by exploring the truths and principles found in these verses. You know, right away in verse 4, it says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. You know, and at first, this sounds easy enough, right? So right now, we are we remain in this building, right? We're in the building. That makes sense. Easy enough. But then you read the second part, and I will remain in you. And it kind of throws that analogy out the window because I can't remain inside the building and the building can't be inside of me, right? It's kind of this, how can you each be inside of something? And so, how can I remain in God and He remain in me, right? That can be kind of confusing at times. So, what the first part of this verse is talking about is really our relationship with God and how our relationship with God is actually very intertwined or intermeshed. You know, in, in, in my mind, I kind of think of it like walking into the middle of a forest. You're in the middle of a forest, pretend you're in the middle of a forest, beautiful forest, summertime, springtime, so there's things blooming. It's, it's, it's very nice. And then, and then somehow, supernaturally, you take away, remove all the soil, all the ground vegetation and everything. And if you do that, what will you see? If you remove all that and you're standing above it still, kind of like glass, you're going to see the root system, right, of all the trees? And so now, in your mind, you're seeing the root system of all those trees. Now walk up to one of those trees and you try to pull it up by the roots, kind of like a, a weed, right? When you get a weed, you have to get it by the roots, otherwise it's going to grow back. Other than the weight of the tree, you know, obviously that's impossible. But its roots, you wouldn't be able to pull it up because its root system is so intertwined with the rest of the trees around it, right? It's not like... This tree has its own space, and it has its own root system space, and then the other tree keeps you know, its distance and kind of has its own system. They're actually all intertwined. I mean, it's just a root mess under there. You can't tell where one stops, where one starts, and you know, if you were to try to pull it up, you'd get stuck. And so what God is saying, we should be so intermingled with him that you wouldn't know where he stops and where you begin. Does that make sense? So let's go back to our vine and branch analogy. The connection of a vine and branch is actually very similar to this interwoven root system in a forest. The parts of the vine are integrated with the branch through many avenues, right? You can't just cut the bark away and the branch falls off. There's many different connection points. In fact, it's really frustrating when you're trying to cut a branch and like that last part hangs on and it's like hanging there. It's still connected and you want to but it's pinching the blade and you try to cut it off. So it is very connected. It's very interwoven. And so this connection with the vine and the branch is actually very intricate, and it's made up of many small connections that make the branch and the vine intertwined, kind of like my lilac bush. The entire center of the branch was actually rotten, but it still grew some leaves. How could I tell it needed to be cut? Because it wasn't producing much for leaves and it wasn't producing really the blossoms or the flowers. And Jesus really gives us a great metaphor here to our spiritual lives. We, the branch, staying connected to God, the vine, is very similar. Just like the branch is made up of many intertwined connections to the vine, so we are spiritually made up of many integrated connections to God. Does that make sense? And so... After you accept Christ, you, begin, you become this new kind of budding branch off the vine. 
And as you, the branch, grow bigger, you begin to get more and more intertwined with the vine. He's your lifeline. The vine is where you get your nutrients from. The vine is what gives you stability, solidifying your connection of the branch to the vine. And Jesus is giving a very powerful word picture of the incredible relationship between God and his followers. Isn't that awesome? We are intertwined like that. A lot of times we don't think of our relationship with God that way. We think of our relationship with God as a maybe a, one of the many little connections, but not completely entwined as one connection. And so God isn't distant. If this is true, God isn't distant. He's not uninvolved. He doesn't save you, then leave you alone. He is actually always present. He is actually very keenly aware. The God of the universe has chosen to weave his life with yours. Kind of makes you sit up a little bit and say, cool. The God of the universe has intertwined his life with ours. I'm grateful that God is willing, willingly chosen to intertwine his perfection with my imperfection, right? To intersect his holiness with my humanity. To weave his strength with my weakness. Isn't that incredible? I am grateful for that relationship. You know, and when we, when we realize this, we see with better clarity what the rest of the verse is saying. It goes on to say, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Well, now, that makes sense. After we recognize the privilege it is to be enmeshed with God, we see the point or the meaning to this incredibly complex relationship. And the whole point, the whole meaning to this intertwined relationship is fruit, to produce fruit. Jesus spends the rest of verses 4 and 5 and through the rest of really this section connecting this relationship of the vine and the branch to the fruit that the branch should produce, which is extremely important. And in the last part of verse 4 and all of verse 5, he transitions to the point of really his spiritual analogy, the whole point of this analogy, stating that he is the vine and we are the branches and how apart from him we can do nothing. Now, having understood the vine and the branch relationship even better really makes the end of verse 5 come alive, doesn't it? I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we, as the branch, are cut off or separated from the vine, we literally can do nothing. Just like when a branch is disconnected from the vine or a tree, it can do nothing and it produces nothing. So when someone is spiritually disconnected from God, they can do nothing. God wants us, the branch, to produce much fruit, it says. The fruit is simply the evidence of being attached to the vine. That's all that it is. Fruit is the evidence that you're attached to the vine. If you are a branch attached to an apple tree, you should produce apples, right? If you're a branch connected to a peach tree, you should produce Peaches, if you're a branch attached to Jesus, you should produce Christ-likeness or fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians 5.22 of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And here is our essential question for us this morning, or really for any Christ follower to ask. Are we producing fruit? It's a very challenging question. Are we producing fruit? Am I producing fruit? 
is, is there fruit or evidence of being connected to Jesus in your life, in my life? See, this, this unique interwoven relationship between Jesus and those who have committed to be his followers is to produce one thing. It's to produce fruit. Everybody, I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say, you're a branch. And turn now to the other neighbor and say, I'm a branch. That's right. <laughs> Some of you said way more than I'm a branch to your neighbor. Since this is the case, though, how, how do we as Christians develop this relationship with our Creator to become a branch that produces fruit? How do we apply the spiritual principle of the vine and the branches to our everyday life? I believe everyone who follows Christ has a desire, on some level, has a desire, great or small, to be a branch that produces fruit. Isn't that right? I think there is that desire in us. You know, and if it weren't the case, you probably wouldn't even be here this morning. The first Sunday in June, you may have chosen to do something else, but there's, whether it's small or larger, a desire for you to become a branch that produces fruit. And you being here is evidence of that. So this morning I want to give you three very practical ways to stay attached to the vine and produce fruit. Ways that we can make sure that we're interwoven and connected with the vine so that we can produce the fruit that really God created us to produce, that he desires to produce in us. And so the first practical way that we can do this is this. We live lives that demonstrate our complete dependence on God. We live lives that demonstrate our complete dependence on God. And on so many levels, that is completely un-American. Because we are taught our whole life, right? You Be self-sufficient, work hard, pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps. And, and, and that can be fine. I, I try to teach that to my kids, to have a level of independence, right? To be hardworking. Um, that, that you're responsible for the choices you make. And so, but sometimes that message can get so ingrained that we, that we actually connect it to our relationship with God and forget about the dependence that we need to have on Him. In, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he states this principle of our complete dependence on God in this way. In chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, it says. The the Apostle Paul understood the need to completely depend on God. You know, as as a church and a church staff, we actually take this very seriously and recognize our need to keep our dependence on God in the forefront of everything we do as a church. And so so much so that if you walk into our church office, you're going to see the words of John 15.5 on the wall when you first walk in. Because He is our vine and we are the branches. That needs to be at the forefront of our relationship with God, our complete dependence on Him. We can totally depend on God to complete what He he wants to do through us. Jesus said our relationship with Him would be like a vine and branches. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. As God's servants, we must remain in an intimate relationship with God in order for Him to complete His work through us. We must depend on God and God alone. But this requires moving from doing work for God according to your abilities, your gifts, your likes and dislikes, and your goals to being totally dependent on Him. 
his working, his resources. And a lot of times this can be a major adjustment for us. And it's usually not an easy one to make. Without God at work in us, we can do nothing to produce kingdom fruit. When God purposes to do something, he guarantees it will come to pass. That's not true of me. When I purpose to do my floor in one weekend, it didn't happen. But with God, on a spiritual level, whatever he purposes to do, he will accomplish. If you depend on anything other than God, you're really asking for failure in kingdom terms. You may have success in this life on some level, but in the spiritual realm and in kingdom terms, it will be a failure. And this, this idea is actually very freeing, if you think about it, to know that, that you are not dependent on how good you can be, your skill set, or your confidence. You're not dependent on coincidence, but on a perfect, all-powerful, holy God working through you. This should really be of great comfort, isn't it? I'm glad it's not all reliant upon what I can do. Because in so many ways, I can't do it. I come up very short all the time. The people that we see in Scripture were ordinary people. But the thing that separated them, their relationship with God and the activity of God is what made them extraordinary. God choosing to work through them. And anyone who takes time to enter an intimate relationship with God can see him do extraordinary things through his or her life, which is awesome. In fact, there's a story of Dwight L. Moody. He's a well-known pastor and theologian and, and, and really was a poorly educated guy. Um, really an, an unordained shoe salesman who felt God's call to preach the gospel. And early one morning, he and some friends gathered for prayer and confession and, and consecration, and they heard <clears throat> someone named Henry Varley say this, said, The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Moody realized that he didn't say he had to be educated or brilliant or anything else. Just an ordinary person. So he thought, well, by the Holy Spirit in me, I'm going to be one of those people. What a great decision to make. When you, when you realize that truth to say, you know what? I'm going to do that. And you know what God does? He gets excited and he comes through. He uses you to do what we may consider to be extraordinary things. We may not see them as extraordinary things, but spiritually and kingdom-wise, they are extraordinary things. Dwight L. Moody was an ordinary person who sought to be fully and wholly consecrated or dependent on Christ. And so one ordinary Christian in the hand of an almighty God can do anything God commands. Though this one common life, fully dependent, through him, God began to do the extraordinary. And Moody became one of the greatest evangelists of modern times. He preached in revival services across Britain and America where thousands and thousands came to Christ. And the great thing is God can work in extraordinary ways through your life and my life to accomplish significant things for his kingdom. Isn't that encouraging? He can use us to do that when we live lives that are completely dependent on him. So we need to live lives that are completely dependent on our God. And the second way to be a fruit-producing branch is to guard ourselves against the things of this world that try to detach us from the vine. On my lilac bush, something happened. That center got all rotted out. I don't know if it was a bug. I don't know if 
you know, but something went on to where it's, it started rotting. And so to guard ourselves against the things of the world that try to detach us from the vine or try to rot out what we're doing, these are things that would eat away at our intimate relationship with God like a disease or a, or a bug attacking a plant. So it slowly cuts off the branch from the vine. These would be distractions, maybe wrong beliefs, maybe even relationships or schedules, maybe how we use our money. The list goes on. But what are those distractions? What are some things that, can, that tend to keep you from the relationship with God that you know he wants to have with you? What are those things? For me, I sat down and, of course, I came up with my own list of my distractions. One of them is, a, is my schedule. Sometimes I can be so busy doing good things. You guys there at all? Candler's full, and man, you're doing good things. It's all the right things. But sometimes, sometimes it literally keeps me from doing the most important thing. And then my relationship with God suffers. Sometimes our schedules can overtake, and we don't even intend it to, but they do. I've had to learn that sometimes saying yes to everything is the same as saying no to others. And sometimes the other things needed to be the priority. Here's another example from my own life. I have allowed, and maybe you have too, I've allowed a few wrong beliefs. A few wrong beliefs about God and myself to negatively affect my relationship with Him. I'm, I'm taking a class right now called Freedom Life Skills literally just because I want to get better. I want to improve my relationship with Christ, my relationship with my wife, and my relationship with my kids. And I recognized that some wrong thinking had really gotten in the way. The nice thing about being totally dependent on God is that it gives us the freedom or permission to continue to improve, grow, mature, and get better. We don't have to be stuck. We don't have to be stuck. We can be honest about the improvements we need to make, if we can do that, then God can work on them as he directs us. He, he leads us to the things that we need to improve or work on, right? If he were to open me up in one night, in one prayer time, and say, here's what you got to do, here's everything you need to improve, I'd be overwhelmed. Because I would see every single area. But what he does is over time, right? Over time, he reveals through his Holy Spirit the things that he wants us to improve. One by one, by one, by one. And that solidifies that branch to the vine. Does that make sense? It guards against the things that come in and try to distract us. For, for some of you, it may be control. Maybe some, some of you are so good at saying no because you're in total control of everything you do, right? So much so that it actually negative effect, affects your relationship with Christ because you constantly want to be in control instead of allowing God to be in control. For others, it could be laziness or the constant desire for more stuff. I mean, the sky's the limit. God will reveal that to you. I don't know what the disease or or issues may be for you, but I know that God will reveal both what they are and what he wants you to do if we simply ask. So these distractions can really come at any time without us even realizing it initially. You know, traditionally, Americans have been very susceptible to distractions that take our eyes off our relationship with Christ. So much so that even Christians from other countries who come over to America and they see how we live, they literally say, I feel bad for you guys. 
They do. I really think if someone from a third world country would ever come over to America and say, well, that's just too bad. I feel bad for you guys. But they do. And, and you know why? They, they say, a lot of times they'll say something simply like this. They're, America has so much affluence and distractions, things that keep our focus and our energy away from the things of God that we really lose out in what God wants for us. It, it really can be harder in the culture that we live in, to really keep our focus on Him. So, so what, do we, what do we define as a distraction? What would, what would qualify as that? And so, well, first, God will reveal those distractions to us if we simply ask. But here's, here's maybe a, a working definition of that, of what a distraction. Distraction is simply <clears throat> an unwillingness through a proud sense of self-sufficiency an unwillingness to draw spiritual strength from Jesus or to submit to the discipline which alone makes possible the flow of his vitalizing power, whatever restricts that flow. So anything that blocks the flow of nutrients from the vine to the branch, making the branch rely on itself instead of the vine. When these distractions occur, it renders the believer a dead or dying branch unable to bear fruit. And God is always in the process of pruning us and getting rid of the distractions and diseases to help us grow fruit. God wants us to live free of distraction and disease and to completely rely on Him alone. Amen? He wants us to rely on Him alone. So we live lives that are completely dependent on God and allow God to prune distractions from our lives while guarding ourselves from further distractions that would really threaten that relationship with the vine. And and, and the third principle that I want to talk to you about this morning is, again, very logical and in many ways very simple, and it's this. We need to purposefully practice spiritual exercises that keep us connected to the vine. Purposefully practice spiritual exercises that keep us connected to the vine. Well, Pastor Paul, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? Well, it only makes sense that if we guard ourselves from distractions and disease, they would reason that we should make healthy habits of those things that actually promote our personal relationship with Him, right? So what are these spiritual exercises that keep us well entwined with God, connected to the vine? You know, spiritual exercises are things like prayer and fasting and scripture reading and memorization, involvement in the local church body, tithing, sharing your faith, and, and the list goes on. I want to stop here because a lot of times us as Christians or even non-Christians hear a list like that, and, and what do you think? Like, oh, here we go. This is the list of rules or things I have to do to be a Christian list, right? And that type of thinking is actually just not true. It's not true. These spiritual exercises are just that. They're exercises. You know, you don't have to exercise your body. When I don't do a run walk for a whole year, okay, you don't have to exercise your body, but you know what? Things work better, and you are healthier if you do, right? You can still live, but your things are better, they work better, and things are healthier if you exercise. The same is true in your spiritual life. You can choose not to do exercises, but your relationship with God won't be what He intended it to be, and it won't be very healthy. You may get to heaven, and if that's your only goal, then good for you. But you know what? God has so much for us here on earth. You'll miss out on the incredible life God has for you here. 
you'll never experience the potential of a healthy walk with God here on earth. And don't get me wrong, I can't wait to go to heaven someday. But I don't want to miss out on what God has for me while I'm still on this earth. I don't want to miss that. I don't want my kids to miss it. Remember, our life with Jesus starts now, or starts at salvation, and it lasts forever. It carries right through to eternity. If we're being honest, though, if you're anything like me, sometimes you just don't feel like it. How many of you have ever just, you're, I'm not feeling it today, right? Sounds great. I hear what you're saying. I agree with it. I just don't want to, right? It, it, it happens to me. In fact, I've, I actually have a friend who says, I wish I just had one day a year where I didn't have to be a Christian. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually, where, you know, you could, all, all the things that you want to do and you wish you didn't have to, you know, and all that. Just one day a year. Give me one day. And, of course, he's joking, mostly, because <laughs> you guys all probably think that's a good idea, too. That's right. But does he really mean that? Uh, it's, it's really just flesh talking, right? He's, he's admitting, though, that he doesn't always necessarily feel like doing the spiritual exercises or feel like doing what God wants him to do. And I, I appreciate the honesty, at least. You know, there are days when I feel that way, too. And if that's you this morning and in your mind right now, you're saying, I know, Pastor Paul, but I don't really want to. Take some time before you leave today and simply pray this prayer. And I've, I pray this quite a bit. Say, God, help me to want to. Help me to actually desire the things that I know I should do. Because honestly, I can do things out of duty for a long time. You know, I can be, I can, I can just do the right thing to do the right thing's sake. But you know, after a while, you kind of miss the desire, don't you? You don't want to do things because you have to. I want to do things in my relationship with God because I actually want to. Because I want to have a close relationship with Him. Not because I have to. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the have to. Let's ask God to actually help us to want to. To desire to do the right thing. Help me to want to. It's really that simple. Ask God to help your desires to line up with His. Make new habits that involve spiritual exercises. Maybe set a goal. Try something different or try something with a friend or a family member. If this is you, just take some time alone today with God and simply ask Him to help your desire. And then take some time to actually listen and hear what God wants to do. Here's what I do know, though. If you continue doing what you're doing, you'll continue to get what you currently have. Isn't that true? That's the way it is. That's the way it is spiritually as well. And I know this, God wants more for you. God wants more for me. God wants to have a healthy, vibrant branch producing incredible fruit. That's why He desires, that's His desire for each one of us. Isn't that what you want this morning? Isn't that our desire too? Isn't that part of the reason why you showed up this morning? Don't we want to walk into church each Sunday morning and on Wednesday night with, and walk in where, where everybody's gathered, people who are healthy and intimately connected with the vine, who is God? It, isn't, that what, isn't that God's purpose of the church? Isn't that what He wants for us? Bearing godly fruit? That's what I want, and that's what I believe you guys want as well. 
When a believer relies completely and continuously upon his Savior and is obedient to his commands, then the life of Jesus inevitably flows into the life of that believer. And so we can truly say with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. Right? Christ who lives within me. God's desire is that we live lives so intermingled and entwined with God and His Holy Spirit that it's hard to tell where the vine ends and the branch begins. It should be hard to tell where God ends and where I begin. I'm the vine. God's saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. So this morning, let's remember to live lives that demonstrate our complete dependence on God. Guard yourselves against the things of this world that would try to detach us from the vine and purposefully practice those spiritual exercises that keep us connected to the vine and ask God to help your desire. If you do these things, you will be living the life that God intended for you. You'll be living the life that God intended for you, a fruit-producing branch attached to the vine. Amen? This is what we want for ourselves. This is what we want for our families. Parents, grandparents, this is what we need to model to our kids and grandkids. And if that's your desire, we're going we're gonna to move into a time of prayer where we're going to have a chance to be able to talk to God about that. If that's your desire, then this morning, maybe you need to spend just a few minutes with God and talk to Him and say, God, what do I need to do? What is it in my life? Or maybe your prayer this morning is simply going to be, God, help me to want to. Would you please stand with me this morning? After we conclude in prayer, please feel free to stay and pray. And if you, if you need someone to pray over you this morning, Pastor Chris and Pastor Mitch and myself will be available for that, for prayer. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the incredible power of your word, Lord. Thank you for the the many analogies and parables and word pictures that you put together to identify how relationship with a perfect and holy God should look. Thank you for this example of the vine and the branch. Lord, we're grateful that for some reason you have chosen to interweave your perfect and holy life with ours. That you've chosen to intermingle your holiness in all of our weaknesses. And we acknowledge this morning, God, that you are the one who gives us life. That we find our life, we find our best, we find our purpose in what you have for us, God and being connected to the vine. You are the one that gives us life. You are the one, God, that that brings us into perfect union with yourself. So this morning, God, help our desires. Lord, make clear the things that we need to do. But Lord, we understand it doesn't rely upon us doing things, but it simply relies on us giving up what we're doing to completely depend on you. Your will, your power, your way. And in doing so, God, there is freedom that comes with that. Help us to realize that freedom this morning.
Help us to to guard ourselves from the many distractions. Lord, it's not easy in our culture to stay completely focused on you when there's 900 other things that demand our attention. So God, this morning, give us that supernatural power we need to just one by one, individually, assess what we're doing and what you want us to do. 